Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to VMB, the voice of Manhattan business, brought to you by the Manhattan Chamber of Commerce. I'm your host, Bruce Hurwitz. You can find me on the web at either hsstaffing.com or fishhookbooks.com. I hope everyone will be able to join me a week from this coming Wednesday on June 29th at noon, when my guest will be Ann Kamen from the New York Grants Company. We will be discussing Surfing the Changing Tide of Commercial Real Estate. To learn about all future shows, please visit our website, thevoiceofmanhattanbusiness.com. And please remember to visit the events page on the Chamber's website, manhattancc.org, to learn about upcoming events on the Chamber's calendar. I am delighted to be joined today by Carl Mazzanti from eMazzanti Technologies, we will be discussing ransomware. Please remember the opinions expressed on this program are solely those of the participants and do not necessarily represent the views or positions of the Manhattan Chamber of Commerce. If you have any questions, feel free to call in. The number is 805-243-1301. Carl, welcome back to the show. Thank you, thank you for having me. Yeah, it's my pleasure. For those who have not yet had the pleasure... Tell us about yourself and your company. Okay. Um, so my name is Carl Mazzanti of e. Mazzanti Technologies. Been in business in two th- since 2001. Um, our main headquarters is in Hoboken, New Jersey, so birthplace of Frank Sinatra Baseball and e. Mazzanti Technologies. For many, we are their IT department, so when they walk in the morning, um, the computers just work. You can have email, um, um printing uh, functions, and you know you can do that all securely, which is kind of the focus of our conversation today. Um, we have grown 20% plus now for 15 years and are you know, having a very large celebration soon. We have offices uh, coast to coast, so um, our West Coast offices are in Bellevue, Washington, and we also have offices in um, Guatemala uh, to handle our um, um, a large our Spanish-speaking um, customer base, but also um, South America. Um, anyway, great great to be on the show today. Again, it's my pleasure. Just quick question. If you're sure. in on the West Coast, is this also for time zone purposes? In other words, if something goes wrong here uh, and it's not normal working hours, then your people on the West Coast can handle it and vice versa? Yeah, we, we do that because we've, we've, we've had second shifts or, or two shifts on the East Coast for a number of years. So our office, uh, well, like today, you know, is open at 7.30 in the morning, and um, we close East Coast time somewhere between 9 and 9.30 um, on average. Um, you know, I would, I would like to get our office um, always staffed 24 hours a day because right now we cover – from Monday through Saturday in those uh, time frames of hours. Um, but we've noticed that there's such a low call volume on Sunday that we don't actually have to staff in the office. We, we let the staff work from home. But um, in staffing in the East Coast for different time frames, you, you need to compensate people differently um, for that. It's, um, that second shift um, requires you know, someone to have a, a lifestyle change um, that they may or may not want. But on the West Coast, that fits the time frame perfectly. I mean, 
if that, it's maybe an hour off of what their normal start of a work day is. But it fits very well for parents um, uh, that want to drive their kids to school and then show up at the office and you know be early every day. Um, so it's very astute of you to, to know that um, we cover the two coasts because it, it allows us to extend the hours, but it, it also allows us to service our West Coast customers with people that are local and, you know, speak the same, and we can dispatch from there. I've met with people, and I apologize for putting my recruiter hat on, but I've met mm-hmm. with people who will have someone in England, someone in Israel, and someone in Australia, all native English speakers, so that you would not know that you were not speaking with a American or Canadian yeah, who was exactly. not in the in North America, and they covered 24 hours a day. They have all the yeah. time zones yeah. covered. But anyways, that is not our, our, our topic. Our topic is ransomware. So as yep. always, I like to begin with definitions. What is ransomware? Okay. Um, ransomware is um, a, a business generally run by bad people where they um, hold hostage your data in exchange for money. So um, like being held up at a bank or, or knife point or gun point on the street, um, um, someone takes something that you have uh, in exchange for funds. And in this case, or really the, the burgeoning industry is um, – computer thieves who encrypt your data and then ask you whether um, be it phone or email or a website redirect to to pay them. And when in exchange for paying them, they give you a decrypt code that um, allows you to get your data back. So just to understand, you get to work first thing in the morning, you turn on your computers and there is a strange-looking screen that says, what, well, we've yep. got your data if you want it. Yeah. Uh, call us at whatever. Yeah, exactly. And if you, and if you don't make the call or, you know, you, uh, you're out of luck, you, you hope that you've got a good set of backups as a recovery control. And um, for those that don't, they, they pay the funds over so how you know, do time and time again. So how do computers become affected? Okay. Um, um, well, you know, the dissemination point is um, um, comes in lots of different ways. So um, drive-by downloads, you uh, go to a website, you think you trust it, and it redirects to something else that's malicious, and you, um, you end up installing it on your own. Um, other ones are... Now, now some of those people who pay the amount um, and they get their because they're doing because they want to get their data back are often not taking into consideration that just because they decrypted their data again, um, that, that they're actually they're not cleaning it off, they're just decrypting their data. And what ends up happening is they turn into the dissemination point for others. Okay, so. Those who have been attacked, and the only ones that I've heard of are hospitals, they've paid the ransom, all right? That was, if I remember correctly, the advice given by the FBI. 
Yeah, it yeah. was. Yeah. What's your opinion on that, about paying the ransom? <laughs> that was the advice given by the FBI? Yeah. Is that what you said? Okay. Yeah. Uh, interesting. Invest yeah. uh, in my well, knowledge. Maybe the FBI, maybe the FBI was understand. trying to follow the trail or at the time um, – they didn't, you know, they needed the EMR data for the hospital, otherwise the hospital could have gone under. Um, I mean, there's lots of reasons why that advice would come out, but I don't think anyone would would say, hey, you should give money to bad people. Um, no, no, this was I, because people were going to die. This was a yeah, hospital. Yeah, well, I, I mean, I, I understand the concept. I mean, there has to be extenuating situations where um, um, you have something held hostage and you would have such a noble entity like the FBI turn around and say, give them the money. Um, um, anyway, so what, what ends up happening is that the hospital is a great example. You know, there are uh, – the hospital as a collection is almost always made up of lots of practices that are um, – you know, they're oncologists, they're ophthalmologists, they're um, – they're, they run the little practice, they run them around uh, the hospital, and they use the hospital as an emergency center or a surgical facility. Um, um, so what ends up happening is if a hospital gets infected, since all of these other practices share their files with the hospital, the chances are it spreads from the hospital to the rest, just like an infection would. Um, you know, if the patient, if the doctor was mailing out a X-ray um, or was taking the file out in the USB and a trigger for whatever the ransomware was in that file, they've now infected their office. And then when they send that same file to someone else, it infects them. Um, and, you know, this is part of the propagation of, of ransomware um, hitting different people. Now, what's amazing about the ransomware is it sits there idle until activated. So you can have millions and millions of nodes infected, but um, no one be the wiser. So a virus scan wouldn't find anything? No, not at all, because it's actually not malicious. It's not, um, um, it's not actually doing any damage at the time to your system. It's just sitting there um, saying, hello, I'm here, activate me. And because of that, there's no there's no telltale signs of of, of something happening in your machine like slowness or um, well, it's, I'm alluding to performance problems because that's what most end users notice. Um, you know, there's no signs so the AV products don't pick it up. It's um, you know, and the AV products are generally um, generally not very useful against ransomware. Now, what I don't understand is why you're notified, for lack of a better word, that your data has been hijacked. Why can't you simply restore using a backup file? You you can restore from the backup. Um, when you restore from the backup, um, the um, the files that were infected are still are infected. So what ends up happening all too often for um, people who restore is that not not shortly thereafter they get infected again. So this would be an ongoing process of losing a day because everything's got to be uploaded again and then you... unless they do something to change it. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah I mean, yeah, I've, I've seen this in many accounts. You, uh, uh, you know, people call up. They said oh, we got hit by ransomware, and a month or two later, they get hit by ransomware again because whatever whatever allowed the scenario the first time still exists. And even though the resource on the backup like, file, well, it's yeah. If, if so, um, I've seen where um, you know the infection point is a file called invoice, and Someone in accounting receives the message and it says invoice, and well, that's their job, so they open up the invoice. Um, you know, in in the early 2000s, there was a virus that went around that was called "I Love You," and it was in an email, and that was the subject header. And when people opened it up, they infected their machine. I mean, there's the ransomware firms are are smart enough to change the subject so that they just have to get a percentage of people who are interested and. Um, so let's say it's the invoice, you know, it's a file. So the person then saves it to their network. Um, they clicked on it, let's say on Monday, infected the whole environment. Tuesday they restore everything. The person's out sick for two days. They come back on Friday, and they go to do their job again, and they click on the same thing called invoice. And they're the same exact infection point. You know, because that person's behavior didn't change. The file was still there. It was just restored back from from backups, and they kick off the same procedure. Now, these infected files, they would be data files, or they would be in the system? In other words, would it be only uh, a Word document or an Excel document, or could it be within an application? Um, most, most, you know, with a ransomware, they're, they almost always use um, a file as a trigger. They're, they're, it, it's not an application item, and that's one of the reasons why none of the, well, the traditional AV products pick it up. It's not a, it's not a traditional, hi, I'm using um, Microsoft this or Adobe that, and um, I'm going to infect you because your application is. Um, it's usually a file that sits locally that, um, um, you know, installs something or uh, leaves some sort of trigger and, or, or when you open up the file, it makes a call, uh, it makes a call to download or activate something else. So there, there's nothing, re yep. reinstalling your operating system, which is Doesn't something that anything. I did once. And yep. I've done it a couple times on a computer that was just so slow, it was ridiculous. So I reloaded Windows 10 on it, cleared yep. everything out. I had the backup file. That wouldn't do a thing for ransomware because the minute you re-upload, if you will, or reinstall your data, you're reinstalling the virus, the um, ransomware. Yes. If, okay. if it was originally in the files you had. Mm -hmm. And and you know you when you rebuilt your machine you um, put the same things back and you clicked on the same files. I mean like you you wiped out the OS, you reinstalled the application, but you just put the same infected files back. Um, you're still going to have the trigger sitting in your same infected files. Now, just a reminder, you're listening to the Voice of Manhattan Business. My guest today is Carl Mazzanti from eMazzanti Technologies. We are discussing ransomware. Uh, 
If you have any questions, feel free to call in. The number is 805-243-1301. And please remember the opinions expressed on this program are solely those of the participants and do not necessarily represent the views or positions of the Manhattan Chamber of Commerce. Carl, we actually have a caller. Oh, great. Let me just give a second for the system to... um Oh, no, he left. So I will continue with my questions. Pity, if the right. caller wants to call back in, feel free to do so. Uh, how can ransomware be avoided? Um, can we finish on the last topic for a second? So you wiped out your machine, sure. you've put your files back. Yeah. Um, there are ways to determine which of the files are triggers. Um, it's called sandboxing. It's, it is not commonly available at all. Um, sandboxing technologies allow you to um, take a file, um, put it inside of a virtual machine, execute the file, and see what happens. Um, so, so, so sandboxing exists and is a growing is a growing recommendation for customers. Um, we're a WatchGuard. Uh, technology shop, so um, we use their firewalls. The, their licensing is called APT, which is Advanced Persistent Threats. Um, when a file passes through the firewall, it'll upload it to um, one of these sites where they execute the file, they see what occurs, and if something bad occurs, they write a they write a signature that blocks it. And if nothing occurs, they let it pass through. Um, um, so we have used um, some WatchGuard firewalls to load through people's entire systems and their files to find the trigger points and then remove them. Um, and it didn't matter how many terabytes or petabytes worth of data it was. It was just time-consuming from a brute force perspective, but... Um, you can remove the triggers that sit inside of someone's environment. And when we've done, when we've been authorized to do that type of work for someone or requested, um, um, usually, uh, usually we get our, we get our culprits. Um, you know, does this run automatically or do you have to open no. every file up automatically? Uh, uh, so individually. So what we've done is you have to transfer it through some sort of inspection tool, um, mm-hmm. um, whether you use FTP or um, use FTP or you use um, some file transfer protocol or you um, doing a large block copy. Um, you have to have the file open and accessed. If you don't have it open and accessed, um, there's nothing to trigger the the scan um, by the utility. You can't the, right now the utility in its current version how it's sold is not sold in an, in an instance where it can scan a network and try and find something. It's it's fed each individual file and then it reviews each individual file. I am sure as more and more people get infected that will change, but that is the current um, setup. So this is a time-consuming process because a person has to be at the computer and open every single file. No, the the person does not need to be at the computer for every single file. Um, I'm sorry uh, uh, they presented that way. No, no, no. Um, 
we're we're using an automated um, way of transferring the file. So FTP is a file transfer protocol. Uh, been around for a very long period of time. It um, it allows you to move one file to another um, in every Windows uh, computer, desktop, laptop, or the like. You um, you have the ability to set up a small little FTP machine. So for some customers, or now they're customers, you know, um, they, they come in typically as a prospect and they're trying to do a cleanup because uh, they want to know why they got infected, how it happened to them, and then how they can stop in the future. And then we mm-hmm. spring into action and we make those that they raise their comfort level. So um, what we've done is we've taken computers, set up FTP sites, then started the transfer through the firewall to use the licensing on the firewall to to sandbox each of the individual files. Um, that being an inexpensive way to scan the machines without having to hire some third party. Now, besides the obvious of not being an idiot and opening up a file named I love you. Yeah. yeah. How, you know, I, I'm sorry. I have very little sympathy for people like that. But somebody opens up a file that says invoice and they're expecting an invoice, that's different. How can ransomware be avoided? Um how can it be avoided? Yeah. Oh, we have long conversations here about is it an educational item? Is it the tools? I mean, there is absolutely not a lack of security tools. There are so many security tools that you could drown your entire environment with um, with different tools um, and, you know, bots and scanners and, and um and the like the so you know I think you probably end up having to do all of them I mean you have to educate your environment you know your staff or um uh your users that um you know if it doesn't look like it came from you if if someone has a chase bank account but they it's misspelled on the u r l c h a s e s instead of just c h e uh, C-H-A-S-E, um, don't open up the email because Chase is not going to change their domain name or their their uh, the bank's name after being around for so long. It's not going to happen. Um, um, if the link is not not formatted well or the link doesn't have the domain name of the same domain name of the sender, that's another dead giveaway. Um you know, there's lots of education things. You know, if it wasn't intended for you or you um, you don't know the sender, delete it. If the person thinks they're important, they're probably going to call you anyway. Um, you know, on on some of the invoices one, because I said the invoice was the trigger, if you get an emailed invoice from some you don't know and, you know, there's no notification, you're a small firm, why, why are you so compelled to open up the file? Um, you should know who you're contracting with especially on the SMB side. Um, you know, those all kind of make sense for training. Well, I, uh, whenever I get an email and there's a link, I put my cursor on the link and I look down the bottom left and I see what the URL is. And I don't think I'm exaggerating 95 times out of 100. It's clear that it's not legitimate. It's because clear. You can just see, see it, the right? URL. I mean, it's just silly. There's a typo, or it's coming from .ru. 
And yep. I don't yeah, work with absolutely. the Russians. You know, not that yeah. I have anything against the Russians, but there's no reason for a Russian to send me a document. Yep. Understood. Now, we're talking about ransomware, but what other security threats should our listeners be aware of? Okay. Um, um, well, ransomware is really the number one growing because people are making money. Um, you know, all of the other all the other threats that are out there are for someone to somehow profit. They either want to profit from taking your intellectual property. So, do you have designed patents, um, uh, plans, objectives? Um, you know, recently in the news, uh, the DNC um, was confirmed uh, hacked that um, they were looking for background research on. Um, you know, the number one component, you know, opponent. And um, years back um, for Watergate, that was people walking down the hallway, opening up a doorknob that was taped, and they stole some data that way. And because the doorknob uh, tape had been moved, um, they realized that someone had, had broken into the room um, at the Watergate Hotel. The, um, you know, that, I mean, they got international news now. Um, you could be sitting on a boat or a cafe someplace, and someone could be using some laptop or a computer and you know doing the same without physically going on site. Um, you know as long as there's data that's there or some way that they could profit either through knowledge um, theft of your financials um, you know that, that you're you're a target and and really. Even down to the home user, the the grandmother, or the little kid who's typing in mom's credit card into a web page um, to buy something, you know they can still take that card and resell the card and and take them do financial damage loss to the person. Um, that's the unfortunate portion. There's not uh, someone who uses the machine or has some sort of data that's not of value to someone else. Now, I like your Watergate analogy, and I want to stick with yep. that because, let's face it, a piece of scotch tape brought down a president, and that's low-tech. And there are things today with cybersecurity that people don't think about. The example I like to use is the printer. They don't go yep. in through your computer. They go in through your printer because it's a network printer. What yep. other yep. – I don't know what the word is, but gateways – points okay. of access besides the obvious of the computer and the printer need to be protected that people may not be aware of? Um, um, so why don't we use the printer for a second? Um, uh, the, data, the data theft um, doesn't actually even have to occur um, by getting the, com the computers inside the environment. Um, you know, most printers today have a hard drive in them. And what, uh, really since like the late 90s, like every printer's had a hard drive in it. Um, and by default, they store the scans on the local hard drive. So there's all these uh, uh, major news expos about how people can buy your printer after the fact take the hard drive out, scan it, and then recover all the files. Um, um, okay. You know, so anyway, you were saying? No, no, no. 
Um, yeah, I was just looking. My thinking is always that everybody is focused on the obvious. Mm-hmm. And maybe the vulnerability isn't so obvious you wouldn't think of it. So I had never thought before that somebody could get into a computer system, a, a network, through a computer, uh, through a, um, a printer. I always realized that the computers were vulnerability points and, of course, the servers. So I was just wondering if there was anything else. So it's basically anything that's connected to the network is a vulnerability. So if you were to have, I don't know, um, security cameras, yeah, those would be uh, points of vulnerability. Your uh, Wi-Fi yeah, router. Well, the security cameras, because you see this all the time on television shows, um, they get hacked because now you know the person is there or it uses facial recognition to tag the person where they are. Um, um, the cameras are a um, are typically used as a, a deterrent control um, because you know that something is being recorded, and the reason why it acts like a deterrent is because it might shame you at some point. Well, because because the deterrent control is there, it can also be used to identify who is there. So if you have access to the cameras, maybe you might wait until the place is empty, and then you'd go in. Um, um, I have not seen people infect off of the camera environment and then activate off of uh, off of a camera. There are so many other um, easier ways to accomplish passing along something. Like, um, have you ever walked down the street? Have you ever walked down the street and you saw a USB key sitting on the ground? Sure. You know, you walk, you're okay, fine. You Sometimes you even walk into your home, you don't even remember where the thing came from. Did it come from a trade show? Was it uh, something you, um, someone else handed you? But everyone is compelled when they see a USB key to plug it into their computer and figure out what's on <laughs> it. So the um, NSA did this as a training exercise. They dropped a whole bunch of USB keys in the parking lot. And when people plugged it into their computer, a message popped up on their screen, you know, as a training exercise to tell everyone that they just compromised their system. You know, these are... are, hmm? I was just going to say, the ones that uh, worry me, and in Manhattan this happens all the time, there are individuals handing out DVDs. Yeah, Music, but you don't know. You put it in, you play it in your computer. Why would anybody do that? And somebody uh, stopped me once and said, here's my music, you'll love it. And I said, I don't know you, and I don't know what's on that disc. So I'm not putting it into my computer, and I mean, I got out of there quickly. But um, yeah. it it makes no sense to me. I just don't get it. It's like the I love you file. Yep. Done. Uh, I think the music idea has always been a very um, uh, simple dissemination point. Um, in Times Square, New York, three million people walk through there every day. And yeah, they're always in front artists, of me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the burgeoning artists will sit there with a guitar in front and say, "Take my CD." And you know, if if you if or or they will have a runner. So someone will be playing, and then they'll have someone that looks like a young runner, whether it's an attractive guy or girl, run up and run to the, their target. 
and try and hand them the thing. And most people will just take it. They'll just take it for courtesy. You know, they don't want to say no. It's, it's tough to say no. It's easy to say yes. In their possession, it's just a matter of time before that person does something with it. Now, maybe they don't activate it right away or whatever else, but, um, you know, if they do put it in their machine and it's got some executable on the, on it, um, the moment they put it in and it's got auto run, uh, that was always an executable point. The, the more common now is just the USB key, like I said. You just, mm-hmm. um, you just drop a couple inside of that person's uh, area and you watch them pick it up and almost everyone will just plug it in. Amazing. Last question. What should a business owner do when they're hacked? Okay. Um, Hopefully they've got, they've got some, um, some controls in place um, to, to stop the exposure. Um, um, The next one is hopefully they've got some professionals they can call upon. If, if they don't, um, and they remember this, um, this, um, you know this uh, show. They most certainly call them as anti-technologies. They could, um, you know. But no matter what, the things you have to do is you have to contain. So you want to contain the breach as quickly as humanly possible. Um, and on television shows, they always, you, you, I mean, even Transformers um, in Guitar, they show, um, they show that the base being hacked, and they cut the hard lines, and they basically stop the internet access. Um, I mean, most certainly that's one way to stop the data uh, leakage. Um, um, very difficult to do that because you've now stopped some of the productivity access of your staff. Um, you, you know, so you, the first one is you want to contain the, the breach or the loss of data. The second one is you then need to recover or put yourself back in some sort of state where you can operate. Um, those, those are your two kind of battle points. Um, then the third one is put preventative measures in place as quickly as humanly possible that, um, that will stop however it occurred the first time from happening again. Because if it happens once, there's a very high probability it will happen a second time. Should you and are you obligated to inform the FBI or Homeland Security? That's actually a very interesting question. In in um, I, in just about all the regions of the United States, if you go to your local police department, most of the local police departments are not set up um, to have cyber terrorism groups. New York City, um, where this call is taking place, has one of the largest standing armies in the world. I think it's the fourth or fifth largest standing army with about 40,000 of, of our finest uh, on the streets. So there is a cyber terrorism division in New York City, um, but most localities can't afford uh, can't afford a cyber terrorism group. Um, then the next question that comes up is really all about jurisdiction. The probability that someone is hacking it from which the police department is is very very low. Uh, we have we have seen attacks occur in the New York metropolitan area or New York City where they were coming just across the river from New Jersey or they were uh, occurring um, from Connecticut as a launch point 
And even though you could get the IP addresses, you could, you know, you could track down who it was, the, the groups will not go after, um, the police departments will not cross the state lines in many cases or, or even sometimes towns, you know, if you're um, coming from a small municipality. That's why I, did, I asked about the FBI and Homeland Security because I didn't think that the local police would be able to handle it. Okay. Yeah. So, it, plus it's over state lines technically. You don't you don't know where the internet is routed. So, just because I'm in New Jersey and the guy who's hacking me is in New Jersey the internet connection may go through New York. So that would be crossing state lines. Yep. So that's that the, was you, the, the purpose for, for, the, for the FBI. Uh, my saying the FBI or Homeland Security. Yeah. Plus you know, the fact that if, if someone steals a Ferrari, mm-hmm. if someone steals a Ferrari or like a Lamborghini or one of these high-end cars, mm-hmm. it gets assigned a caseworker. You know, so I'm, I'm trying to put a price point. You know, mm-hmm. if it's a hundred thousand dollar vehicle, uh, mm-hmm. you get assigned a caseworker from uh, the FBI. Is, what's interesting is if you have a breach of data and they take a hundred thousand mm-hmm. dollars, you're currently not assigned a caseworker. It's um, mm-hmm. I don't, I don't, I'm I'm not a hundred percent sure why that is. Um, you know, maybe in the car item, they assume, well, someone's taking a $100,000 car. They're probably taking a lot of them. I mean, but in the computer world, they're taking $100,000 of cash plus from someone. So, you know, why doesn't that trigger a high enough level for the FBI to get involved? Um, I'm, That's I'm surprising sure. because everything that I have read and those people I've talked to, they say that a cyber terrorist will go through a small business because their security is not as good as a uh, major corporation, and they'll use the small business to get to the major corporation. Yep. So, Because the small business it, is trusted, has credentials and the like, and, um, um, you know, they're, they're trusted and... They have access for a reason. That was the target breach for the mm-hmm. H- HVAC vendor. The HVAC yeah. vendor needed um, some sort of system access that was very high level. Um, you know, we dealt with that way back when. I remember. Yeah, yeah. Carl, uh, before I let you go, what's the best way for listeners to get in touch? Okay. Um, our website is always the, is the best, so www.emazzanti.net. And, and my email address is just carl, C-A-R-L, at emazanti.net, so same spelling. Or you could call 866-EMAZANTI if, you're, if, you know, if, if this has happened to you or you're concerned or you, or you think it's going to happen again or, God forbid, it does happen again. Um, you know, I'd reach out as soon as you can. We, um, um, we'd be happy to help. And even if we can just give some guidance on the phone, because um, you need to do it yourself, um, we're, we're very, um, very approachable, and we try and share the knowledge 
make um, to make it better for everyone. Well, Carl, thank you profusely for coming back. You've given us a lot of important information, and I really appreciate it. Definitely. Thank you so much for and, having me. And as always, a special thank you to our listeners, and I'm certain Carl joins me in wishing everyone a safe and prosperous week.